Welcome back to another episode of Cherishing Scripture Podcast. My name is Zach, and I'm here today with Jeremy, Nathan, and Pastor. How are y'all doing? Doing all right. Good. Good. Wonderful. Good. Good. Now we're uh, we're on that last stretch. I can see the finish line, yeah. uh, the final period in the Book of James. It's been so a good trip. It's coming. Yeah, it's it's been a marathon to say the least. Uh, do you know how many episodes, Jeremy, we've gotten out of this? Mm, I think we're pushing ten, maybe. Yeah, this might so be in the episode nine. Nine, ten. That's not bad. Not bad at all. Well, pretty good. I like I've said before, um, I've definitely enjoyed uh, this book. I enjoyed getting, honestly, for me personally, a little bit of clarity on some of the things because you know I'll be truthful. Uh, coming into this book, I was kind of of the impression too that uh, Paul and James had it out for each other. Um, but I think that after reading this and studying this and discussing it with you men. Uh, kind of come to a conclusion that they weren't talking about that. Yeah, uh, that they were actually on the same team and right. talking about two different aspects of it. I so. agree, man. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. I've definitely enjoyed it. Um, how's the baby doing, Nathan? He's doing all right, doing keeping all right. us up. <laughs> but I guess that's a good thing. Keeping that's us good. up or keeping Hannah up? Eh, I think it's more <laughs> of keeping Hannah up while I. Uh, yeah. Why snooze? You got any funny dad stories yet? I've been no. pooped on, peed on, <laughs> threw up on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been quite the journey for Nathan. Um, it's funny because I have to stop and think that he's younger than I am. And so, I. He's younger than me. So I'm like, man, I was baby. at his house one day, guys, to give you all a story. I was at his house, and all I hear, he's in the room changing uh, the baby, and all I hear is, oh, no, not again. <laughs> And the baby is peeing and was about to pee on himself, so Nathan sticks his hand over it to block the pee. So, oh Nathan, oh man, and that's the mi- that's one of the milder stories, huh? Yeah, that's oh, a yeah. mild story. Oh, there's more. So, more to come. Yeah. So, uh, it's awesome uh, seeing that it God's awesome. blessed you with it's a gorgeous baby. Yeah, a healthy baby, and mm-hmm. uh, ultimately, yeah, absolutely, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see. So, uh, James, chapter number uh, 5, verse number 12, uh, we are towards the end. I know verse 12 we've talked about a little bit, uh, and then verse 13 gets into a very interesting subject. Some churches do it. Some don't believe you should do it. Uh, What heals? Is it the oil or the faith? Um, There's a lot of stuff to talk about in this, so let's go ahead and dive right into it. So, uh, who's going to be reading for us today? I'll read for us, David. Verse number 12, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay nay, lest lest you fall into condemnation. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if, if any of you do err from the truth, 
and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. That is a lot of information. That is. Yeah, definitely is. That so. is a lot of information. Yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. Like I said, we have talked about this a little bit, but verse 12 starts off, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, uh, neither by any other oath. Uh, what is this talking about here, guys? What, what are you guys getting out of this? Just, you know, there should be no, no need for a, a believer to have to, you know, make make commitments like um you know i promise you on my great grandmother's grave or something like that because they're when they say something they should other people should be able to take that and say he means that and he's going to follow through with his word and uh, just not not be a deceiver being trustworthy Mm -hmm. yeah jesus said in the uh in the beatitudes and following he talked about the same subject, you know, not swearing by heaven because it's God's throne, the earth because it's God's footstool, and He made uh, He made that incredible remark, you know, that uh, uh, if we're truthful, we should never have to swear. Right. And uh, the ultimate, of course, the ultimate form of swearing is when we invoke the name of God. We say, "I swear to God," and you know, in, in my history being in law enforcement, I can't tell you how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. I had somebody look at me and say, I swear to God, I don't have any dope. I swear to God, that's not mine. Or I swear to God, this is... And then, you know, we find it in their in their shoe or under their hat or something yeah. of that nature, you know. So <laughs> uh, it's it's a method used by liars to try to be credible. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is uh, condemned wholesale all the way through Scripture. I think oftentimes when people use swearing, uh, you, you're more, you tend to not believe them because, you know, why do you have to, of course, to make yourself sound so, so believable? Yep. And if you have a pattern, that pattern is pretty clearly outlined here in the 12th verse to let your yea be yea, your nay be nay. In other words, just mean what you say. Mm. You know, if you said you would do it, then do it. Mm-hmm. And if you have a history of doing what you say, then you won't need to swear by heaven or by earth. Uh, I, I think this, um, you know, this is something that God takes more seriously than we do. Unfortunately, this is one of those things that God is more serious about this than we do, uh, because we don't have the ability to swear. The earth is not ours. Heaven is not ours. Our own life is not ours. You know, and so we uh, we really are taking the Lord's name in vain when we make a make a remark of that anything even remotely resembles that. Hmm. So, verse twelve is pretty. It's put together in my Bible, my Cambridge Bible here. It's put together in one unit. It's one one section by itself, just verse mm-hmm. number twelve, and then thirteen through eighteen are another unit all by themselves. And uh, uh, but there's plenty of truth in verse number twelve for sure to 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 really come to a conclusion on this matter of of, swe- of swearing. You know, I mean, he he, he includes a, th- a threat there, lest you fall into condemnation. You know, that will catch up with you one day. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's night and day right yep. there. No doubt. I like uh, verse number 13. Uh, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. But, uh, you know, in Second Thessalonians, you have pray without ceasing. You know, you, shouldn't, you should always be uh, talking to the Lord and communing. That's right. And uh, that's good. But then, is any merry? Let him sing uh, psalms. And this is my wife gets so annoyed because I'm always singing. I'm always happy. I'm always uh, just shouting it out joy 
Sanguine. Yeah. yeah. True. Sanguine. <laughs> true hey, sanguine. No, nothing expresses the heart like a, a song. Well, my, my wife is sanguine, and she, she gets annoyed by me singing sometimes also, you know, because I, <laughs> I guess I sing in all the wrong places. You know, I sing at the grocery store or, you know, at the drive through of the McDonald's or whatever. You know, I'm singing these songs and enjoying, you know, enjoying some good music. Maybe if I sounded better, she might like it. The point here is, is it's a cure to depression. It is right. If you're afflicted, pray. If you're if you're merry, you can sing these psalms, and uh, and it uh, it it may not it may not only cure your depression, but it could ha- help someone else. You know, that's right. why we have the Book of Psalms. We have the expressions of David's depression. And the expressions of his exhilaration and his joy all put down in one book. Hmm. So pray and sing psalms. I think verse number 14 hits close to home in our church because we have uh, several people that are ill and and a lot of them kind of looks bleak and that there's no hope, but there yeah. is in, in James. Uh, is, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and... Uh, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the, and the prayer of the faith of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Um, yeah. There's a lot of controversy, but a I mean, if we just just take what the Word of God says, and you know, take what uh, the the early church did, the history of that, and you just look at that and study that, it's it's pretty simple you know just do what what the word of god tells you yeah Yeah. i I think the problem is is a lot of us get caught up on the oil part but we forget the next verse that says um that the prayer of the faith shall save it has nothing to do necessarily with the oil itself the oil is not magic um but it's simply the prayer of faith uh but like like we said there is a lot of controversy about it um, I know churches uh, that anoint with oil and pray. I know some that don't. Um, and actually, in fact, a lot of the churches that don't don't even necessarily have many times where they have people come up and everyone pray for them. Uh, my dad's church being a smaller uh, church, uh, it's more of a family environment. So when someone's sick, uh, they'll all go down and pray gather again. together and pray together. It's yeah. not uncommon. It happens probably once every couple of weeks uh, when someone's sick or someone needs prayer yeah. we'll just all go down and pray for them yeah and you got this this part really and then you got those TV preachers selling those oils to people exactly <laughs> this buy this and you wake your That's way to the heaven abuse of it in, in the tabernacle That's the abuse in the tabernacle the oil is it's a picture of the Holy Spirit yeah you know and uh I think that can sometimes be skipped over if you look for the symbolism, you know. Yeah, the oil and the lamp in the tabernacle was uh, was the fuel that kept the the light burning, yeah. and uh, it had to be uh, it had to be you know maintenanced and tended to and made sure that it was kept in you know kept kept plenteous because the light could go out and they were commanded to never let that light go out. You know, the big problem here, you know, I was raised, you know, Jeremy, you mentioned there about, uh, you know, TV preachers and things of that nature. I, of course, I wasn't raised around all that, but I was raised in holiness Pentecostal churches where this was an every single week event, you know, where there was somebody sick or someone who needed 
uh, to be anointed with oil, and it turned from you know just physical stuff into you know if you're if you're depressed or if you're struggling or if you've got anything going on you got a job interview coming up or whatever it is come down let us anoint you with oil and let us prepare you mm-hmm. you know for whatever may be uh you know in the, in an undisclosed future there and so it has been abused um you know from a purely doctrinal standpoint this is all about the cause of sickness it has and, nothing really to do with the oil. It has nothing to do even with, you know, hear the prayer of faith that shall save the sick. Because if you'll notice the wording here, what stands out is, um, you know, he says it at uh, the middle of verse number 14, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, it doesn't say shall heal the sick. It says it shall save the sick. And then it goes on and adds, and if he have sins, they shall be forgiven him. And so, uh, you know, from a purely doctrinal perspective, what this is talking about is that all sickness is in some way connected to and related to the sin nature. Mm-hmm. And, w- you know, the wages of sin is death, and you can't have death until you have sickness first on most occasions. And so uh, the sickness that comes to us, it, generally speaking, is a result of some sin that has been committed either by us or our parents or our great-grandparents or our great-great-grandparents or Adam, one or the other. Mm. And so uh, sickness is the result of sin. That's why Jesus, uh, the prophecy in Isaiah 53, uh, was it Isaiah 53 where he said, uh, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, what? We are healed. Healed. Mm. And what he's saying is that the blood of Christ does not heal disease. The blood of Christ heals the sin that causes the disease. And so much of that is left out of people's discussions in this passage of Scripture, and that's very unfortunate because uh, when a person is anointed with oil, um, there's a process here. You know, if you're sick, if you're afflicted, you pray. If you're merry, you sing psalms. Uh, If you're sick, you call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. This is all a process. In the name of the Lord, Prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise him up. If he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So let's just say someone has abused the Lord's table. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. You know, he said, uh, if you've abused the Lord's table for this cause, many among you are sick mm-hmm. and afflicted, and many sleep. Many are dead because of it. And so if someone has abused the Lord's table and they're sick, this is what this is about. Mm. A sin in their life has brought upon a sickness, and they need to be anointed so that that sickness can be uh, addressed hopefully by the Lord and His mercy, and then hopefully, you know, disposed of, mm-hmm. uh, if possible. I do think it's interesting here too that it does mention that uh, they're calling upon the elders of the church. So, yep. uh, who, by your reading and studying of this, who in this case would he be referring to as the elders? Well, you know, I've had this discussion with several people and. Uh, you know, I, I believe in a plurality of elders, and uh, our church ultimately is going to wind up at that destination sooner or later. You know, we're going through the screening process and the uh, you know trying to make an application of this now in our church. You know, to prepare our church for this because our church has never had elders in the past, but it's so thoroughly biblical, and this is one of those passages that teaches that uh, uh, deacons are responsible for the general service and operation of the church elders are responsible for the spiritual direction of the church 
So you may have a preaching elder or a teaching elder. Then you would have a praying elder. You may have an administrating elder. You may have you know a certain uh, title or certain thing that has been placed upon these people. But in this passage, you notice he says, call on the elders, plural. One yeah. church with more than one elder. Hmm. And that places the... That places the uh, the burden of prayer on their shoulders, and uh, and the burden of familiarity. They need to be familiar with the sicknesses that are going on in their congregation, and be able to pray with knowledge about what their what their congregation, what the sheep in that congregation are experiencing. Yeah, and uh, prayer. on that note of prayer, uh, verse sixteen uh, talks about confessing your faults one to another, and. Independent Fundamental Baptists, they have they've gone away from that one because yeah. it it has become, you know, a slaughterhouse. You better not confess your faults one to another because like you're next on the chopping block if you do. Yeah, it's but like, it's like bleeding in the water. Yeah, <laughs> if you go bleed in the water, man, the sharks are coming. Yeah. Well, truthfully speaking, it's not even necessarily nowadays. It's not confessing your faults to another it'd be confessing someone else's fault to another yeah (laughs) gossiping (laughs) so yeah it's not and of course like we've said before it's oh i'm just concerned about brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so but it ends up being we need yeah we need to pray for them but no prayer going on there but yeah it does say that it says confess your faults and then once again same uh, same concept let's go to verse uh, 14 that pastor was talking about is there any sick among you Uh, let him call upon the elders of the church and let them pray over him, uh, anointing oil, him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So once again, it talks about healing and forgiveness at the same time. And then verse number 16, Confess your sins, or confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be what healed. healed. Says yeah. healed again. Uses that same concept that in you may be healed. Connection to sins and faults. Connection to faults and sins. Exactly. And then verse the end of that. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And again, you have the other side of the coin. You've got on this side of the coin, you have the brother who has sinned, and he's sick. And then you have the elder, who's the effectual fervent righteous man, praying for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, not that he is elevated above him in any way. But in the context of, of interpretation here, uh, what it's saying is that your greatest need is not physical healing. Your greatest need is spiritual forgiveness. You need to address the sin problem because in many of our cases, uh, sickness is directly connected to some sin habit that we're committing. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, it's obvious. You smoke, you get lung cancer. You drink, you get cirrhosis of the liver. Right. You, know, you go out and gallivant around and live in sin, you get some STD. And so in many cases, those sins are obvious. There are other, there, those sicknesses, I should say, are obvious and the, and the results of sin. But there are other cases where it's not so obvious, and those are the ones that he's talking about here where a person comes and says, you know, I, I want to I be anointed with oil, and I want the elders of the church to pray, and, uh, uh, and there needs to be a conversation had at that moment. And I've had that conversation with people. Is this because of some personal sin that you're living in? Um, that's a tough conversation because like you know like you guys are saying you know not many people want to talk about that publicly you know that's why this passage of scripture has been so abused you know this is not a blank check whoever you anoint with oil is going to be healed that's not what this is teaching yeah and i think it does go back to what nathan said 
unfortunately uh in the society we live in and uh, in the the uh bigotry i guess you could say of the church and nowadays is people are afraid to go and tell people that they're struggling with something because they're afraid that if they do they're going to get nailed to the cross about it uh, they're going to be condemned and talked down to whereas here it says you're supposed to be able to go some to someone the righteous man that it talks about here and you're supposed to have confidence that if you go to him and say look i've been dealing with this god's really been working on me i've been struggling with this sin and i know it's wrong i know it's a sin it says here that the he's supposed to pray for you yeah but i I definitely think that's missing you notice there too zach he says confess your faults one to another so you have that conversation with this person you know i'm going through x y and z he should be able to look at you and say i've been through that too before brother confess your faults one to another there's supposed to be a reciprocity there where we're all admitting how sinful we are uh but that is lacking in the church you know there's such an arrogance and uh such a holier than thou type of an attitude in the church that we're we're missing this we're really really missing this humility of confession yes yeah, true. and then once again he uses another old testament example yep he says Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, yep. and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Yep, old Elijah. Yep, brings them back. Hmm. Praying with faith. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, you got to remember that Elijah raised a boy from the dead yeah. through the prayer of faith, and so did Elisha. They both saw a resurrection. Uh, so, yeah, that's the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. It availeth much. Well, how much? Well, he stopped it from raining for three years and six months and then started it back. He prayed again and started back mm. and uh, mm. raised a boy from the dead. You better believe it, man. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man can make a big difference. Oh, yeah. It's that's good. powerful, isn't it? <laughs> it's good. That's awesome. And then... uh last two verses brethren if any of you do err from the truth and one converteth him let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins and there we go it goes back to it again it goes back to that confessing your faults thing is uh, if i see something a tendency in someone's life going up and telling them like hey i see this happening and you know it's wrong. You know that's dangerous for you, and get away from it. Yep. And hey, a believer will say, "Yeah, I, I know. I want to fix that." An unbeliever will say, "No, I don't want to fix that." Yeah. Right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose my own way. If someone's yeah. going towards a cliff. You're gonna say, "Hey, watch out! There's a cliff there." Right. Yeah, absolutely. You're not gonna just keep watching them walk off. That's right. I think that's the same concept. A lot of people, spiritually speaking, have been walking off that cliff, and nobody's been saying anything. Yeah, there's a, difference. there's a difference between a blind man and a blindfolded man. Mm. Yeah. A blindfolded man can still see. Mm. Somebody's got to take the rag off his face. Right. It's exactly what this, I think that's the application here. You know, somebody needs to pull the pull the wool off of your eyes so you can see what's going on. Well, it definitely says here, he says, if any of you do err from the truth, I believe that to err from the truth, you have to at least know what the truth is to some point. Um and he says, if any err from the truth, let him know he that, that he which converteth the sinner from his er, the error of his way shall save, or yeah, his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude right. of sins. Sounds like mm. Paul and Peter. 
in Galatians. Sounds like Peter and Jesus. Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds like Peter and everybody in his life, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but but you're it. right, Jeremy. The Paul and Peter issue, man. Wow. Yeah, but Paul that's had to set it. him back on track. Yeah, I mean, what a mess. You know, talk about uh, converting him. Paul converted him by getting right in his face and said, "You are the problem." And you remember that uh, earlier in Peter's life, uh, it was Jesus who said, uh, Satan hath desired thee to sift thee as wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thou would be converted and help the brethren. And so that word is not, uh, that word doesn't get too far away from Peter's personality. Yeah. Conversion. But it's some good elders. The difference between being saved and being converted. You know, I didn't realize that until uh, several years ago, but there is a difference. They're synonymous. But uh, you can get born again, but being converted means that somebody has, has helped you along the way and delivered you from that sinful path. Mm. Uh, an accountability partner is somebody who has helped you to, to be converted from the error of your ways. Mm. So, mm. I've enjoyed this book, guys. It's I really, really have. Good. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to uh, what's to come next. We've had some ideas. Um, and if anybody uh, that listens to this has any ideas, feel free to drop it down in the comment section for us and let us know. Uh, some ideas that you would like discussed. Um, the Book of James, we've crossed that finish line. We've broken the, the, that little rope that's across it, that tape. It's a great We've book. ran through it, right? Uh, so it's been great. I've enjoyed it. Um, but I am glad to see that it's concluded. And truthfully speaking, probably now that it's done in its entirety, I'll probably just want to sit down and listen through the whole thing through yeah, and just read it again. Yeah, listen, listen to what we say, and then reread it again, uh, because it's easy, even going week to week, and just uh, forgetting what the last passage talked about, talking about a new passage, just to stop and go through it and listen to it all again. So, man, it's been great though, yes. um, and I, I really do pray that uh, all of us have someone in our life. I know that I have several people in my life that I can be confident if they see me going down the wrong path that uh, they're they're going to tell me um and i think any everyone should have that i think everyone right. should have that person in their life that's going to keep them accountable that's good um and just tell them hey uh, you did this or hey you're you're going down this path and you need to watch out but it's been good uh, it's really been good i've enjoyed it um we'll probably take a couple weeks to talk about different subjects not necessarily talk about one specific book uh, and then we may dive into another book. So I'm excited, excited to see where it'll go. Sounds like a great plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just as a reminder, if you want to find any of our information, you can find it online at brandonbaptisttabernacle.com. Uh, that has all of our sermons on it. It has sermons from the past week. Uh, we have services on Sunday night, uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night here at Brandon Baptist Tabernacle. Uh, we also have a youth group uh, that's uh, running uh, and growing for sure. Uh, we have children's church uh, for the young people of families uh, that would like to go into a service more geared toward them. So church is going, and it's exciting. It's exciting to see it grow, even from the point that when I first came here, uh, to see the amount of growth that's been here. It's changing. The new families that have been here. So uh, we thank you guys for tuning in again to another episode of Cherishing Scripture podcast, a podcast where we are changing society by cherishing Scripture. Nathan, you want to go ahead and close us out in prayer? Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you uh, for yes. this book of James. 
Lord, we thank you for the truths that are in it. Lord, we can hold them dear to our heart. Uh, Lord, we can hide your word in our heart that we might not sin against God. And Lord, we pray that you would just uh, go before us, help us to uh, preach the word, word to the lost and dying world. In Jesus' name, amen.